Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today for the AIWA Los Angeles Las Vegas section. Uh, we have a very special e-meeting today uh, with a very exciting speaker and a very important target a talk, uh, a topic is a lot of fun. So please enjoy and uh, interact with the speaker. Uh, it's going to be very exciting. Uh, so before that, we have a few words. Uh, first, thanks a lot to our AIW headquarters uh, providing this such wonderful plat Zoom platform and all the supports uh, for our activity. Um, and uh, thanks a lot to the speaker, uh, Ms. Brew today. And uh, you know, uh, she gave us the permission to record and more people can enjoy uh, her presentation. And uh, for today, if any question you are in encouraged to click raise hand more toward the end of the presentation and uh, uh, to speak out, interact with the speaker, or you can type your question in the Q&A Q &A box. And the chat, chat box is okay, but people might feel it's more for chatting or leaving messages. Uh, just a few words about AIWA. AIWA is a nonprofit organization, professional organization, membership-based, promoting mm -hmm. aerospace, uh, uh, education, uh, and art of, of technology. And it's a national organization, but also have international presence. And the Los Angeles Las Vegas cha chapter uh, or section uh, is a local uh, section of the a national AIWA. Our session chair is Dr. Jeffrey Purcell from Raytheon. Uh, our executive director is uh, Mr. Daniel Dunbarker. He was the former NASA um, uh, uh, director. <clears throat> uh, a few words about AIWA. Our vision is shaping the future of aerospace. So aerospace, including you know, uh, aviation rocketry, and uh, AIWA came from the merger in 1962 from two distinguished organizations, one founded by the Wright brothers on aviation in the 1920s. Uh, the other one uh, was founded by Robert Goddard uh, on rocketry also formed in 1920s. So AWA really is a very uh, uh, long history organization, very uh, reputable, distinguished uh, organization and uh, have a lot of wonderful people, including uh, our speaker today. Uh, just cut show. We have a membership. Our student um, high school membership membership is free. Is new educator is is also free, and uh, of course we have professional. Uh, young professional, you got fifty percent off for the membership. And uh, right now our um, AWA board member, including wonderful people, Dr. Jeff Pushell is our AWA fellow. Uh, Sherry from NASA. Uh, JPL Jennifer, who is also a pilot, also aerospace attorney, with Courtney from Boeing, and with RP for STEM education, and uh, uh, many, many people from uh, Lockheed Martin, North Grumman, and different, different USC. Uh, it's just fantastic. fantastic. Um, you know, AWA has a lot of benefits. You, you can network with other people, professionals, Aerospace America, wonderful magazine, and the got you got great discount for uh, attending national conferences. And uh, AWA also publish, and uh, you ha we have books, journals, and uh, you know aviation conference, uh, those kinds of things. And you can also advance your membership, uh, become honorary fellow um, uh, or fellow, associate fellow. Uh, for example, SpaceX, uh, Miss Queen Shotwell, uh, she is our honorary fellow, the highest level of membership. 
and uh, they will also have awards, you know, to honor you for your uh, achievement in technology, education, those kinds of things. And if you're an AWS student, university student, you are qualified for student conferences, design build fly contest, and also essay contest, scholarship, those things. Uh, just a few words about Southern California. It's uh, wonderful. We are blessed with amazing aerospace activities and uh, heritage. Heritage. Uh, we have newsletter, you know, also this kind of event, and it will be posted on YouTube, podcast, uh, those things. So our speaker today, Miss uh, Sid Buru, is a, a commercial pilot. She's also author. She's owner of an aerial uh, surveillance company protecting national security assets. It, and infrastructure from California to Texas. Uh, she's, <clears throat> uh, as a chief pilot, she flew low through uh, practice war zones such as Camp uh, Pendleton, time flies through testing sites such as Edward Air Force Base, and cut across final approaches such as Las Vegas McCarran, all to safeguard the country. Uh, her two twin novels made Amazon top. 1% and are read in middle schools along with her STEM curriculum. Uh, she has written, edited, and produced for TV station, production companies, book publishers, and the national magazines. She has had over 40 articles published and she's supervised writing staffs at magazines and the news service. She also produced an award-winning documentary, local TV shows, commercials, and short films. Two, two of her movies are in development with producers who have 1.2 billion at the box office. Uh, while her coming was uh, motto was, I have been on a mission to encourage kids to learn to fly because of journey itself is so empowering. So without further ado, that's heartily, heartily welcome, uh, Ms. Sid Wu, it's all yours. Oh, well, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for joining me. Um, you'll hear more about my bio as I uh, go through uh, my presentation. Um, I've spent a lot of time in the trenches, you can say, uh, with the kids, um, speaking at air shows and schools and um, through my YouTube channels. So um, I'll, uh, I uh, gathered all that information and um, brought it to you with some research to um, just kind of give you some an idea of where the kids are coming from. Um, so anyways, I'll just get started. <laughs> um, to sustain STEM aviation and our space ambitions, we have to get kids into those fields, but there are specific deterrents to STEM. And no, I'm not talking about money. That's a given. Um, that's the easy answer most people cite. Of course, it's expensive to get your pilot's license and a degree, etc. But there are barriers that start even earlier. Another reason emerges after many discussions with these kids and specific things that we can do to get kids interested in soaring. Let me, uh, there we go. When I speak to kids at air shows and in schools, I see it in every grade level, but the younger kids in grade schools are more outspoken about it. Although through my YouTube channel, I have interviews of women pilots and the cockpit of a 757 and such. Um, and after watching these videos, the kids write me through my website and ask the same question over and over. So it was a long journey for me. It took me a while to work my way up to the yoke, the control column. Can everyone see the presentation okay? Okay. <laughs> 
Um, so I, we went to gran Granny's house in Mount Mooney. And um, when I was a child, my family took trips to Grandma's house in this airplane, but my parents had more children than seats. So they put me in the baggage compartment. There was nothing to do back there, no windows. So I wrote stories and I started my first book at age nine. Then I finally got my hands on the yoke after my three older brothers fighting for a place up front. And here I am busting out of the baggage compartment. <laughs> I flew many years as a chief pilot for an aviation corporation. And um, then I uh, had my books come out and those were in schools and I was um, spending so much time um, speaking at, at schools and um, writing that um, I, I'm doing that full time now um, as we are converting the two books to movies and I'm working with producers on that. Um, so what's the number one question kids ask me about flying? <laughs> the number one question is, is flying hard? Isn't that interesting? It tells you a lot about our society. A large segment of kids think they only want easy things to do and that they are incapable of accomplishing hard things. So I give them a pep talk about how pilots or really any professional use a different word. We call it a challenge. Um, there's even defeat built into the word hard. That's the first step for most kids, showing them that we can overcome obstacles to reach our goal, meaning it is hard, but you can do it. And I tell them that easy is sitting on the couch, but don't they want more from life than sitting on a couch? And it's wonderful that all of you are dedicated to teaching kids about your careers and mentoring them. I think if we can address this fund, fund, foundational problem first, it will help them hear the message better, not quit and and give themselves a chance to really follow the steps you're willing to mentor them in. So first of all, there's specific ways we can encourage kids that they can accomplish a goal if they develop coping skills. And I'll get to that in a moment because it's really interesting to hear from the kids. They tell me things like they wanna fly so bad but their parents tell them they're too stupid or they wouldn't be good at it. So along with all these negative messages about the world, it's daunting for them to even attempt things. Your message is so important, showing them what's possible in the beginning steps. Mentors can help with specifics in a certain field, but before that, it's essential we're covering the ba basics before they can even step up to the plate. This is what I call the true meaning of STEM, which I'll get to in a, in a moment. So for kids without coping skills, we need to back up and start with a foundational stage, turning self-betrayal around, building enough self-esteem that they'll engage with a mentor. I will share with you my STEM success workbook for free if you email me saying you want it just for you guys. Um, or you can buy it on Amazon if you don't want to have to um, download and print it for your students. It's just a tool that um, can help kids with the emotional blocks and then covering that. When I was a kid, I also lacked the ability to pursue a challenging field. So I understand where the kids are coming from and the defeatist attitude that makes them seem lazy or unambitious. 
I relate to them my story. When I got into a STEM field after college, my career really took off, pun intended. In this group, we know that STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. But before I get to that, I think um, there's another meaning I'd like to share and give you a few examples of the mindset prevalent in schools today that I encounter in elementary, middle school, high school, and even college and a possible solution. So first, here's some stats. The New York Times reported that tougher classes and lower grades cause many to simply give up and go to the humanities for higher grades. The Washington Post said it's possible that would-be engineers simply want to have an easier time in college, even if that means a harder time getting a job afterward. It might be why we see numbers like this. The US ranked 23 out of 23, I'm sorry, 21 out of 23 countries in math and 17 out of 19 countries in problem solving. And this is according to the US News and World Report. And uh, the USA Today said the findings from the US Department of Education add a new urgency. So you can see um, uh, the numbers like this. Um, the US Education Department said the numer numeracy and problem solving and literacy are below the international average and far behind top performers. You can see where in these uh, examples of a couple of years, how we are in the middle of the pack of the world. So why STEM? For kids from all backgrounds, it can change the traje trajectory <laughs> of their entire family. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, employment of mathematicians in the U.S. is projected to grow 21% from 2014 to 2024, much faster than the average for all occupations. STEM is at a 17% growth uh, prediction, so that's awesome too. And according to payscale.com, seven out of eight of the top performing, of the top paying occupations with only a bachelor's degree were STEM related and five were engineering. You may know that women in STEM fields make 33% more than other fields, but women are often underrepresented in these fields, holding less than 25% of the jobs despite the fact that women hold 60% of the bachelor degrees and make up about half the workforce. At Georgetown University, uh, they reported that over a lifetime, the earnings of workers who have majored in engineering, computer science, or business are as much as 50% higher than the earnings of those who major in the humanities, the arts, education, and psychology. Seems like a no-brainer, right? But listen to this. For me, it was a process. I wasn't a stemmer until long after I graduated. I started college as an English major, but where I landed surprised me. I had never made plans to be a pilot. It wasn't my goal. It wasn't even on my radar. Conquering the air, 
was a huge challenge for me. When you're up in the sky and the winds have turned nasty, you can't say, oh, never mind, I don't want to do this. You can't pull over to the side of the road and get out. You have to land the plane. If you're flying alone and you encounter tough conditions or even an emergency, no one can climb into the cockpit and rescue you. It's all up to you. You have to get yourself back on the ground somehow, soar or die. <laughs> when I was learning to fly, I went through some pretty scary conditions in the sky. I'll tell you more about that in a bit. I started taking lessons at a school with an old beat up plane where I could see the flaking fiberglass underneath the peeling paint. Did the school maintain the engine as poorly as the airframe? And I caught my octogenarian flight instructor snoozing during our flights. I was terrified he would conk out or the old plane would fall apart as I was learning how to do S turns and slips. I had to drum up courage before each flight. Sadly, my fears were on target as later I learned he did die in a training flight with a student. So high stakes. And at the time of my flight training, I was battling thoughts like, did I really have the guts to do this? I kept at it despite my misgivings, doubts, and fears because I heard that be becoming a pilot changes you, gives you confidence. And I knew I was lacking that. And confidence is a skill that creates success. I took comfort in pilots like Clay Lacey, who has over 50,000 flight hours with no accidents or incidents what we should all aspire to and can achieve. Currently, I have about 5,000 hours without any accidents or incidents, but the pilots I shared a crash pad with at one time all had oopsies of some sort. So I put some of these stories into my book, Fly Girl, to give kids examples about sticking to something that's hard for them to conquer. In fact, 80% of student pilots never finish and obtain their uh, pilot's license. And I've seen that it's for the same reason that keeps many students from going down a STEM path. And if we can understand where this lack of coping skill comes in, comes from, we can help them get over this hurdle so they, they can go for it, go for the stars in a STEM field. So let's dig in a little bit more on that. When I was in school, I didn't think I was capable of much. And to tell you the truth, I wasn't for a long time. But four things changed that. And they're the four things that I think STEM really stands for. Um, first, uh, why don't you think the number one question that kids ask is, is flying dangerous? They like the life and death element, like Hunger Games. They want it to be live or die. When you're competing with Minecraft and dozens of streaming services, if it isn't soar or die, then they'll tune you out for something more exciting. If you're a pilot, you may cringe at the mistakes Fly Girl makes. She makes it even harder on herself than the normal obstacles of getting money and time for flight training and such. But the kids love seeing her overcome obstacles and all the messes she makes. The message is you can fly, you can go for a big dream, even if you make mistakes. <laughs> so get back up and try, try again. Do you know what porpoising is? That's when a pilot comes in for a landing at the wrong angle and speed and hits too hard and bounces back up and down. 
back up and down, up and down. And if they keep going, they can break off the no nose gear or bend the prop, which could rend the in, in, rend the engine, render the engine unusable. The propeller is connected to the crankshaft. Even bending the prop could essentially break the engine. This is another student's attempt at landing during a porpoise, this picture. Um, he broke the nose wheel off, so sad. <laughs> but it helps kids understand the physics of flying require a good education. And for those who think they don't need no education, they'll end up like the barefoot bandit who crashed every single airplane. He uh, self-taught himself to fly. Again, the message is flying is hard, but we can learn how to do it and we can do it well and safely. So before I talk about the three myths that we need to help kids get over and the other meaning of STEM, let's dig in a little more about how to get kids to participate more in STEM careers. After all, STEMers are the creators of the world. <laughs> when I gave a STEM keynote at the California State University San Bernardino, a student came up to me afterwards and said she'd been trying to get her boyfriend to become a pilot, but after this speech, she was going to do it, yay. <laughs> Another told me she wants to fly desperately, but she's languishing in minimum wage part-time jobs, waiting for a, a rich man to come along and pay for her college and flight training. I asked her why she didn't get a student loan. It's an investment in herself, in her future. And she said she didn't want to go into debt and was looking for a sugar daddy. So instead of funding herself, she lives in poverty with no flight plan to get out. She's really indebting her future. She even had the opportunity to be an air traffic controller, which makes bank, let me tell you. <laughs> She'd see flying from the other side and learn so much more that would help her as a pilot. It would be a great experience. She said that even though ATC makes great money, it isn't her dream. She could pay for her own dream. After a little while of controlling airplanes, she could afford an airplane of her own and putting herself through flight training. She could be her own investor. But some women still have the Rapunzel syndrome, like Bella waiting for Edward to rescue us. She narrowed her life and she sits at home as she waits for a fantasy prince to rescue her. She's pinpointed one dream and narrowed the way it can come to her. She could also start out in one career, ATC, and switch to flying later, but now she has neither. Targeting just one dream, as many often do, leaves out other skills and experiences that enhance the goal. I was like that too, and then life happened. I realized I could be so much more than just one thing. I thought I was going to be a writer. Then I ended up becoming a producer, director, editor, video editor, pilot, entrepreneur, and writer. I shifted directions in my careers many times, but they are all ending up to work together. For example, I write about flying. I used my experience in my books and I've used my production skills to shoot live action trailers for my books. Focus is great until it becomes tunnel vision. Every skill or knowledge students attain is not wasted. It will help in whatever they do. Another deterrent is they feel unsure about what they want to do. I tell them, try anything and everything that they want to. It's estimated that people change careers five times in their lifetime. So you don't have to have just one career. 
Nearly all the airline pilots I know also have another career skill. I know an airline pilot who's a nuclear physicist, one who's a nutritionist, a speaker, a mechanic, a flight instructor, a columnist, the list goes on. Kids tell me it's a relief to hear that they don't necessarily have to pinpoint that one career path and dedicate everything to it. Like they'll be locked in forevermore. It takes some pressure off the decision to free them up to make a decision. I was an English major who didn't pay attention in math class because I was told girls aren't good at math. And suddenly years later, I had to rise up to the feet of flying airplanes, understanding science and physics, calculating how far I could fly without running out of gas and generally placing my life on the line in my own hands, soar or die. <laughs> there are three myths that many students have that don't serve them. Number one, If you're doing what you love, it should be easy. Going back to the number one question, is flying hard? Why is that even a question? Who cares if it's hard? I ask them, are we so tender that we can't rise to the occasion that we need to be coddled and we only want easy things to do? Where's the fun in that? With work and determination, you can achieve any goal, but at what cost? That's where the journey comes in. That's where you get to grow and learn and become more. Hard work can be fun. The part of my surveillance job I enjoyed the most was when I <laughs> flew through major airports, dodging airliners like Southwest, coming in on final to land. And I had to time my course around them, not get turned upside down in the wake turbulence while avoiding sightseeing helicopters coming straight at me while flying the plane, writing a report, talking to air traffic controllers, managing the engine temp temperatures, the gas-air mixture, maintaining a precise altitude and direction, and following all the rules of the air. It's fun. <laughs> That's the interesting part of my day. Um, myth number two, you can't fail if it's your heart's desire. Many plan on starting their own businesses because they don't like the concept of a boss. <laughs> they need to know that entrepreneurs fail a lot. 20% of small businesses fail in the first year and 50% by the fifth year, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Failing is learning. People take it too personally. If we all fail at some point, then what's the big deal? Here's some great quotes on failure. Take a sip. I have not failed. I just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Thomas Edison, aren't you glad he kept trying? Failure is the only opportunity to begin again more intelligently. Henry Ford. The men who try to do something and fail are intimately better than those who try to do nothing and succeed. Our business in life is not to succeed, but to continue to fail in good spirits. That one's my favorite. <laughs> I tell kids that's where reading is essential. People wanna pass on what they've learned, but regardless, if you want to be an entrepreneur or an artist or an engineer for that matter, you have to become resilient to understand that failure is part of the path. It hurts, but if you can't get over it, you can't go anywhere. So don't take stock too soon. 
Don't declare yourself defeated at your first few failures. Myth number three, you must decide what your one career path will be and go for it. So I touched on that a little bit, but um, just like in flying, sometimes just getting up in the air gives you a broader view. You might take off for one airport and get um, out into the vast, gorgeous sky and realize there are many airports you might like to land at and explore. But the important thing is to take off. <laughs> Your most desired destination can be a work in progress, but it does take more than trying. Kids need to know that they will encounter trouble. They will encounter turbulence, bumps in the sky, maybe every day. Sometimes solution com solutions come only after being determined to stick with it. I have a friend who sunk thousands of dollars into her flight training only to quit when a crosswind scared her. She could have learned to push back, when a gust throws you off center line, kick the rudder, push back, get back on track. Can we challenge them to develop the metal it takes by even just presenting the concept that they can learn to be stronger than they are now? That's why I think the secondary meaning of STEM will help more students actually follow a STEM path. I put this into a practical work workbook, which I'll share with you in a minute. So, to, to me, what STEM really stands for is S for self-esteem. The most undeniable secret to success is a strong self-esteem. I've seen people not progress in their careers because they have outrun the cap on their self-esteem. A gentleman I worked with was offered a promotion he didn't take. He couldn't see himself in a leadership role he hit the cap on how high he saw himself. Initially, I started flight training because I saw that self-esteem was a skill I was lacking, but then I fell in love with the gorgeous sky. Society seems to be telling women, especially, that all they need to have the conf confidence is to get, to get what they want in life is one more lipstick. <laughs> I say, how about learning a skill? You can never look perfect, but you can make a perfect landing. The irony about taking on a huge challenge is you need a bit of confidence to even attempt this thing that will give you confidence after you conquer it. Most kids are dying for someone to believe in them, to tell them to go for it. So don't underestimate how important this one element is to get kids to even start on a career path. Along with a solid self-esteem comes T for tenacity, and this lady has a lot of it. She's awesome. Tenacity is like a dog that won't let go of a chew toy. Persistence, no matter what. Flying solo one day as a student pilot, the winds were really mean, those old devil winds, the Santa Anas. And I had to fly by myself through a gusty mountain pass, the Banning Pass. I was so scared, my feet were shaking off the rudder pedals. And then I, when I returned from the flight, I had a bruise on my hip from the seatbelt. The turbulence was that violence. Picture bucking Bronco, buck, bucking Bronco on steroids. <laughs> I was tossed up and down like a ping pong ball in the sky, exceeding the critical angle of attack. The plane was stalling every few seconds, which I responded to by correcting the angle gently over and over. 
these became more adventurous. I used in my book, Fly Girl, real stories from myself and other pilots. And it's actually uh, inspired from uh, a true story. Um, aviation can be flashy, a flashy way to pique interest in STEM. Here's three organizations that introduce kids to aviation. You might know about the Young Eagles, part of EAA. Um, they give uh, free rides to kids um, at various municipal airports. Uh, by the way, did you know that we have 500 commercial, about 500 commercial airports in this country, but over 5,000 general aviation municipal airports? So there's, there's lots of opportunities for kids to get that free ride at um, Young Eagles that participate at the municipal airports. Uh, Kitty Hawk Air Academy, and then the Aviation Youth Mentoring Program. So you can check out those um, programs that help kids uh, get their first uh, ride or um, introduce them to concepts in the language of flying. So there were times when I wanted to quit learning to fly. I wanted to stay on the nice, safe ground. I wanted to go into my riding cave and not come out till spring. But I wanted to build my confidence more. So I put on my Top Gun movie and I sang along to the danger zone. And I got myself into that little flying contraption, a feat of engineering. And I learned something. I stretched myself. And then I ended up flying 10 times more than the average pilot. I had no idea I would be owning a corporation or figuring out high density performance of airplanes. I thought I would write. Turns out I have written and I've even written about physics. Me, the most unlikely of STEM girls, the girl who couldn't add. And remember I said I was an English major in college, but I am a student of science in life. One of my books circle is all about science and our world. Do you think it's weird or cool or awful that genetic engineers are blending spinach genes with pigs to try to make ham healthier to eat? <laughs> These scientists are changing our world forever because genes are not static. They mutate and change. And once they get into the environment, reproduce. We have all sorts of GMOs now. My book circle is used as a discussion starter in middle schools for concepts relating to genetic engineering and astronautics, astronomy. Um, real quickly, it's about an uh, extraterrestrial girl, Mandy, who crash lands near Edwards Air Force Base. And it's up to a family she meets to help her rescue her pilot and get home with the one thing, the one gene her civilization needs to survive. She comes from a planet where everything is genetically engineered as a renewable source. Her jet's fabric is seal skin, for example, that's grown in a lab. So don't worry, no animals were harmed in the making. As Mandy and her new friends outrun drones and attack helicopters, they discover a secret about her own genetic makeup and why she can't stay on Earth. She must get home before the launch window closes, but once they find out what Mandy needs from Earth, they don't know if they can still help her get home. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> the STEM curriculum with this crosses over because America has been tasked with including science, even in English class, building literacy while piquing interest in science. 
So some kids have gone on to a biotech and science fields after reading it, which is really exciting to me that, um, but that brings us to E, which is education. Honestly, I wasn't capable at 18. College changed that. In high school, I didn't know that if I applied myself and believed in myself, I could put, pick any field. I could learn anything. When I arrived at college, I not only couldn't add, but I didn't even know how to read a book. I don't mean I couldn't read. I mean, I couldn't sit down and concentrate. All the Nancy Drew books I attempted to read as a kid, I never finished. I still don't know who done it. But something clicked in college where I was faced with a decision to get serious and study or get a job. I couldn't waste time and money anymore being wishy-washy and lazy and insecure about my education. I realized this was it and I needed to support myself. So I sat down and I read a whole book <laughs> with no Wikipedia, no summary, the real thing. And then something clicked and I read thousands of books I learned all sorts of things, all subjects. It's truly amazing that the wisdom of our civilizations are all recorded for everyone to read, usually for free too. How amazing is that? That we have all, we all have access to knowing all about our world. We can learn anything if we can read. I stayed in school because I heard that college graduates earn $1 million more than non-graduates over their lifetime just about double according to the Education Resources Information Center. Well, that's a no brainer. You make more money if you spend a few years learning something, why not? Many think they can't afford an education or that college nowadays just leaves you in debt rather than helping you create a career. I've heard that so many times. If I may use a couple of sisters as an example, one studied a STEM field and is very gainfully employed right after college. Her sister didn't and returned to her clerk job after graduating college with six figures of debt. So if we can help dispel the ur urban legend that it's a waste of money to go to college, I submit that firsthand example. Here's another I didn't know when I started college. Only 5% of all published authors make a living, meaning $40,000 a year from writing. 1% make six figures or more. Humanities and the arts are great, but I didn't know as an English major, I'd have a 95% chance of not making a living in my field of study. Wow, can you imagine if a nurse had a 95% chance of not earning a living in his field of study? <laughs> so perhaps when Disney movies are telling kids that their dreams can come true, they should be a little more specific. Go STEM! <laughs> the odds are so much better. But there's one more thing we need. One more thing. M for mental attitude. The kids love to proclaim negative concrete conclusions to me, like, I'm just not good at math. I tell them to listen to their thoughts. Are they positive or negative? Thoughts can keep you down. I know a pilot who has a hard time getting a job, and it's no wonder. I saw her before her last interview. She went on and she, and I told her, good luck. 
She then told me about all the interviews she had screwed up and that she would probably screw this one up too. Guess what? Do you think she got the job? Of course not. Why would someone sabotage themselves like that? It goes back to S, self-esteem. Even if kids aren't experiencing much love at home, we can encourage them to make the decision to be kind to themselves, to mind their minds, to work at changing negative thoughts. I know that can be hard work, but that is the work. As Fly Girl says, aim high, because if you aim low, that's probably where you'll go. So think about the thoughts. You can't land softly if you're imagining porpoising. Believe with an engine of strong self-esteem, wings of tenacity, an airframe of education, and the fuel of a good mental attitude. These became more adventures I used in my book. Oops, sorry. <laughs> um, so with that, we can keep our eyes on the sky and muster the courage to take the controls of our lives. In closing, I wrote Fly Girl in Circle to encourage kids to step up and take on a challenge because the journey, the journey itself was so empowering and empowerment is the gateway to going STEM and STEMers change the course of humankind. If you'd like a free copy of the workbook that helps kids uncover their blocks and dream bigger using my STEM format, let me know. You can contact me through my website, uh, sidblue.com at the bottom of the homepage, or you can buy it on Amazon and not have to print it, but I'm um, offering it to you all uh, for free. So just contact me and I'll send it to you um, as a download. And then for, uh, for the last minute before we open up for discussion, um, while you're typing questions, I, I thought maybe I could show you just a one minute video if that's okay. It, um, it's from the clips from students when I was visiting middle schools and classrooms that were reading Circle. So this is just about a minute. I love Circle. It's one of the best books I've ever read. It was just really exciting and you always were on the edge of your seat and you just wanted to keep reading. It's one of my favorite books, actually. <laughs> Some of my other favorite book series are like Harry Potter and Divergent and stuff like that. They're still really good, but Circle is still better. Also, the plane part was just amazing. It was it was freaking awesome. I've already read it three times because it's such a good book and it's so intense. I love like every time I stop reading, I get so sad. I just wanted to keep reading it and I want to read it again. I was on the edge of my seat every second I was reading it, and it's very action-packed and adventurous. It really got my attention when we were reading in class, and that's like one of the few books that I actually like. It was really breathtaking to like read. I was like on the edge of my seat for each chapter. It always made me just, it just made me feel so happy. It was one of the best books I've ever read. I loved it because it was just very exciting. And it told me that you can do anything like Spencer. It was different from our storylines. It didn't, it wasn't like very stereotypical. Like usually they don't involve pilots or usually they weren't. It's got a whole bunch of different twists. I love Circle. It's one of my favorite books. I really liked when like, they figured everything out about Mandy, and they figured out that why her junior difference. It's kind of a mystery and a romance. I love Circle. There was a lot of um, surprises in the book. Mandy was my favorite character. She was just so funny all the time. I definitely like Spence's character more. Than Mandy? Because she kind of like represented me a little bit. I actually envy her a lot. General Ranks? General Ranks. I really like Jasmine. Spencer? Mandy, she wasn't scared of anything. She had she had like an open heart. Jody was 
awesome. Yeah, Nick, he's such a rebel. Jody's character the best because she um she's very independent in the end and she wasn't a sidekick anymore. Everyone should read the book because if I don't really like usually like reading and I love this book, it would be like great for people who don't like reading. It's like everything all put together in one book. I love Circle. It was one of the best books I've ever read. It was. <laughs> okay, um, so we can go to the question and answer, and there's a chat um, box too. It looks like. Um, so we have a chat. Uh, yes, uh, folks, this is wonderful. Uh, so this great opportunity. So anybody want to speak out? As you. Uh, you can touch something in the chat and we'll enable you to speak out. Or click raise hand. Oh, I do have a quick question while we're waiting. So what is the role of simulator? The simulator that will help motivate the student or help them training? I say that again? The simulator, the uh, oh, simulator. Yes, you know, um, even up here in Big Bear Lake, they have um, started um, an aviation program for students and they were able to secure a couple of simulators. So um, the, the kids are using this uh, simulators to, to start learning um, basics of flying as well as getting used to the language. So that's awesome if a small rural town like us can um, even have simulators, then wow. I know a lot of schools have aviation programs um, because there's so many opportunities, even if you don't become a pilot, just to um, get into the world of aviation and uh, have a leg up um, to a career for that. Um, we definitely need more aviation mechanics and um, support and dispatch. And there's so many opportunities. Is that what you were referring to? Uh, yes, yeah, because you know, kids these days they I like to play games. Yeah, yes. so the simulator might be a good uh, thing to uh, motivate them, get them yeah. interested. And actually, I, I've uh, heard that um, kids who are really good at video games become excellent drone pilots. So that's that's an opportunity for for kids who grow up playing with the the hand motion. It will really help them. Um, it's I'm also also a commercial drone pilot, and it's totally a different skill set. <laughs> it's it's very different. You would think that um, as a commercial pilot that it would be a natural step to be a drone pilot, but it's it's very different. The controls are. Um, not the same at all. So if I had grown up playing more video games, I think that would have been more helpful than actually being a commercial pilot, except that I understand airspace and all the rules. And that's one thing that drone pilots really need to get better at, especially the ones who are kind of doing it commercially, like they'll um, go into business and they'll record, like we have, um, the resorts up here for skiing and snowboarding and there'll be pilots drone pilots who are recording um events of people on the slopes and we're really close to the airport here we have an airport in big bear lake um so that um it's not always a good thing <laughs> they need to learn uh the rules of airspace and participate with um the FAA and announce their intentions to the local airport manager. And, you know, there's a whole procedure that helps make it safer. 
that's just one example. There's also real estate that um, a lot of people just kind of ad hoc go into. And it's like, you have to know the space above that house because there are low flying, for example, there's um, rescue helicopters in our town where a medical helicopter will land and pick up somebody who's been injured from snowboarding and take them down the hill real fast. So they're gonna fly really low, just basically over the ridge to get down to the hospital down below a lot faster than you don't wanna climb a lot. So um, we're sharing that airspace and a lot of, um, drone pilots who just kind of step into it don't really understand that there's so many things going on for pilots who are flying aircraft and how that we need to work together. Yeah, this, you're, you're right. And actually the drone, you're, it's amazing. You're also the drone pilot. Actually, that's another topic kids actually feel very excited these days. Yeah, and a few years ago, I think three years ago, we have Colonel uh, Pestana. He was kind of involved. He was the pilot. He, you know, he was uh, with Edwards, and uh, he was also uh, helping developing the drone uh, for MQ9, those things. And he gave a talk about the drone, and uh, uh, we got a couple of kids, and they're just so excited about the drone. And that will help them to kind of enjoy the aviation. Maybe that's something to make men feel a little more comfortable uh, to become a pilot. Yes. Yeah. So does anybody have any questions about um, speaking to the kids or um, just different um, uh, feedback from kids um, in aviation <laughs> or wanting to get into aviation? Yeah, I, I do have questions. But that's way for some uh, people. Uh, hi, folks. This is really wonderful. So, I mean, this is a great question. How to uh, speak to kids uh, about aviation is a great opportunity. Uh, so please click your raise, click raise hand on Zoom um, uh, to speak out, or we can type your question in the Q and A or chat chat room chat box. And also, you can check out some of the videos on my YouTube channel. It's YouTube.com/sidblue, um, where I interview different pilots. Um, explore the cockpit of a 757. I have living legends of aviation interviews. Um, various aviation related topics um, that, and then the kids will watch those um, videos and then um, message me directly questions. And looks like we have another question. Um, have you thought about releasing Fly Girl on Kindle? Yes, actually I did do that and it was ripped off. <laughs> so that's why I took it down because um, bootleg, is um, I guess that's a form of um, compliment, but <laughs> um, yeah, it was bootlegged, so I took it off Kindle. <laughs> and it's um, it's also at Barnes and Noble and um, uh, all the places that books are sold. Um, so I have the two books, um, Fly Girl and Circle, um, most easily and probably the cheapest at Amazon and there's STEM curriculum, and then also the STEM success uh, workbook if you wanna work with kids on um, uncovering what negative thoughts they have about themselves and, and literally how to reverse those and turn, turn it around so that they can start um, 
challenging themselves to think more positively about their future. Uh, when I was speaking at schools, uh, they often came up to me and told me that they're getting so much, so many negative messages about the world and the world's going to die. And, um, just, you know, all, all the stuff they hear in the news and all the negativity. And um, they really were expressing that they just didn't feel they had, had a chance. And um, so I know that a lot of the kids that you guys work with and mentor are on a career path or they have some support at home or um, maybe they're better students. Um, but if you want to, um, understand kind of the mentality of the kids who are struggling with school or struggling um, just with their, their own psychology. This is kind of the soft underbelly of um, getting kids on a career path, especially STEM. So let's see. Uh, Mark, do you want to say something? No. I wanted to ask the question about Kindle because I have too many physical books, but I can appreciate where you're coming from. Uh, thank you. Sorry about that. I might do it again in the future. <laughs> uh, just, just a quick question. How, how many hours? Uh, you know, some, maybe kids feel that it take too long, maybe one year, two years to become a pilot. So they got frustrated. Is it, It's kind of, uh, uh, if it make it then, make them feel it's not too long, doesn't take too much time, then maybe they'll feel more easy. How, how much hours do they need? Uh, it varies so widely. I know someone who got everything done in less than a year from not being a pilot to uh, achieving commercial pilot and having enough hours, um, just really dedicated, um, flying all the time, just having your eyes on that prize completely um, focused. So um, for me, it was a process. I had my uh, first lesson on my 14th birthday and that introduced me to flying, but I was nowhere near um, mentally ready for it. I had to go through all of this that I mentioned um, what I just talked about um, before I could understand that I could do something like this. I didn't even think like I could, I could take a, on a challenge like that. So I, I understand where these kids are coming from. And that's why I'm um, passionate to show them, yes, you can do it. You know, if I, if I did it, you can do it. Um, so for becoming a, a private pilot, you only need 40 hours of flight time. Um, and there's specific rules about what kind and how much you go with a instructor. Um, you know, 40 is pretty ambitious. I know a few people who got it done in 40 hours. Um, I've met them, <laughs> but usually it takes a little bit longer. You know, it doesn't matter to me if, if it takes 100 hours or more because that's all experience. And the more experience you get flying, the better, the safer pilot you'll be. Um, hopefully. Uh, so I don't mind that it's taking some people um, more hours to really get comfortable and learn all the rules and um, conquering landing. That's one of the most challenging skills for pilots is 
is you know getting that that airplane to come in on a little tiny strip <laughs> and set down um, and release the magic of flight to the ground so <laughs> um, let me see if i have yeah folks this is really wonderful opportunity so please you are encouraged to speak out and or type your question in, in the q a or chat box <laughs> Um, just, just one thing. Uh, once the kids get a pilot, uh, can they fly alone, or they have to fly with you, uh, with someone? Uh, once the kids what? The, the kids qualify, say forty hours, forty-eight hours, and they got a license. Do they? Do they, do they still need the parents or, or, or the instructor to fly with this age limitation? Oh, yes. Okay. So at age 16, you can solo. So I've known people who soloed on their 16th birthday, and then you can get your license uh, at 17 in the U.S. So you can get your pilot's license at 17. And I know um, some kids who actually got their pilot's license before their driver's license. In fact, it's a funny story because one girl had to get her mom to pick her up from the day that she um, became a pilot and she couldn't drive herself home from the airport <laughs> but she was a pilot so um and i think it's wonderful to get kids into aviation because um as harrison ford says he was the um the, the chairman of young eagles for many years and personally flew 200 kids in his own aircraft just to share with them the love of flying well he said that um, flying is a wonderful thing to get kids into because it teaches them responsibility in a fun way. So I, I'm, that's not a direct quote, but um, that's the gist of it. And uh, that is one of the wonderful things that it helps them understand um, just being responsible for themselves and and like I said, the element of live or die is um, actually something that intrigues them rather than scares them uh, from flying. Um, they like that it's meaningful. It, it has that kind of meaning that um, you wanna learn how to do it well or die. <laughs> so for many kids, that's an attraction. Um, so you can qualify if you have 40 hours to get your final exam with a flight examiner and get your license. But there's also a bunch of things you have to do like a cross country flight. And that's included in your instruction. Your flight instructor will take you through all that and all the things that you need to be able to um, master uh, like S turns and slips and all that. Um, specific maneuvers, um, there's an oral exam where they ask you questions, the examiner asks you questions to see if you understand everything about um, the requirements for an airworthy aircraft, the requirements for airspace, like when you fly into an airport that is class C, you have to talk to air traffic controller where, in, this is unique to America too, in other countries it's different, but uh, there are some airspace, especially out here in the West, where you don't have to talk to anybody. You can go up and fly. And if you're at an airport that has the rules 
that dictate that you don't have to be on the radio talking to other people. It's always a good idea, but it's you don't have to. It's not a requirement uh, at certain airports. Um, and it's very important to see and avoid traffic, of course. So there's all these skills, um, not just uh, what makes your aircraft airworthy, but um, the requirements of getting it checked annu annually, um, just a, a million rules to help keep us all safe. Um, but one of the things that we uh, vary in the states from other countries, uh, in the US, um, we have a different set of rules and freedoms. But for example, I have a friend, uh, he flew for me for a while in my aerial surveillance company. Uh, he did acrobatics and he was hired to go do shows in China but he was not allowed to fly his plane around, the plane he was using for the, the demonstrations for the acrobatics. He wasn't allowed to fly them from airport to airport in China to do all these air shows. He had to dismantle his aircraft and drive it from airport to airport because their airspace isn't free. It's not free like ours. So um, we have a lot of wonderful freedoms in our country to be grateful for that we can just go up and fly. Um, you know, once we're a pilot, once we're a licensed pilot, I should say, <laughs> and we stay current and um, comply with the rules that are just meant to keep us safe. But here's another example. In New Zealand, um, they have a different certificate for mountain flying. And up here in Big Bear Lake, we're at about 7,000 feet. Um, there's, it's different you have the wind coming off the mountains and kind of um, doing rollers, which creates uh, turbulence. And sometimes when people come into land at Big Bear Lake uh, Airport, they get shaken up. And if they're not um, practiced and ready for it, they, you know, there's, our airport does have more accidents than airports, the, the flatlanders, <laughs> than airports that are down below. Um, in New Zealand, you have to have a separate certificate for mountain flying specifically because there's high density altitude that changes. Uh, like for example, uh, I knew of a ferry pilot who was ferrying a plane across country and stopped in Big Bear Lake for our cheaper fuel and didn't do a very, very basic thing, which is leaning the engine. At 7,000 feet, you need less gas to air mixture and so there's a little dial that you change to change the mixture of, of gas to air and he didn't do that and he crashed into the lake and died so you you know you've got to be diligent you've got to do your homework um prepare know what the the conditions are like at the airport you're going to learning how to fly in different conditions just having that experience um, maybe, you know, continuing with a flight instructor beyond um, getting your license, especially if you're rusty and you don't fly much, it's a good idea to um, go with someone who can help, um, help you get back into it. I read a study once about um, surgeons who, <laughs> you should always schedule your surgery two days into the week because the first day they lose a little bit of their skill. Um, the first day back from a weekend. So it's that constant uh, uh, practicing your skills and abilities to stay just 100% uh, 
excellent at your craft. Um, so it's the same thing with pilots. Um, the more you fly, the more often, the more you'll be on top of um, understanding everything you need to for that flight. And one of the things I've encountered a lot with the pilots I know, I, I know so many, you know, thousands of pilots and love hearing their stories, and make them tell me their stories. <laughs> because um, it's interesting and I just might use it. Um, but there, there were stories where um, maybe someone didn't prepare completely for the flight and um, got surprised. So I don't want to make it sound like um, flying is dangerous because it is dangerous if you're um, you know at the, not at the top of your game. Um, general aviation is more dangerous than airliners. Airliners are, are the safest way to travel. Um, we've had several years where there were no accidents um, on airliners. So it's a very safe form of flying. Now, when you get into the statistics of what's not safe, it's more in general aviation because there's less training. Um, and there's, there's people with attitudes who think they don't need to go that they don't need to prepare as hard as I don't know like, like I'm a nervous person so I make sure I know everything about the flight I want to know everything um, but people who are more relaxed let's say um, might not um, check out everything there is to know about TFRs those are temporary flight restrictions um, when I was flying aerial surveillance especially into Las Vegas um, when there was a, a president visit, they took up 30 miles of airspace. <laughs> Drove me crazy. <laughs> 30 miles. Um, and I couldn't do my job that day because they were hogging the airspace. Um, so that would drive me crazy. But that's an example. Like you can look up these notums, um, notice to airmen, they have a new word for it now. But um, you look it up and you see what's going on in the airspace for that day, everywhere you might be flying. Um, and then we got a comment. The thing I liked about GA, general aviation, is that you have control of the risks. Yep, that's a good point. Thank you. Lots of ways that things can go wrong, but very few that you can't control, sometimes by deciding not to fly. Yeah, that's a great point, um, definitely. Um, Whenever you have the chance to not fly because the weather's kind of iffy, when, as you become more experienced as a pilot, you get an idea of your limitations and also what you think might and might not be safe. It's not cut and dry. So, cause sometimes you go up there and the sky changes and it's different than what you expected or what was forecast. So yeah, that's a very good point. Um, if you can control the risks, if you're a diligent pilot, like it sounds like you are, Mark, um, that you can uh, make sure you know everything that you can know about your future flight. Um, just putting in that extra effort and the extra time rather than just running out to the airport and hopping in. Because <laughs> I, I could tell you so many stories about pilots who just kind of uh, winged it and it didn't go so good. Um, so <laughs> good point. Um, what other stories can I tell you? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to make it sound like, fun. I, I, go ahead. No, no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. 
I was just going to say, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, flying is not safe because like my father flew for 50 years with no accidents or incidents as well. So that's the goal. And um, that's, that's attainable, but you got to put some effort into it. And then Mark says, I'd be an example of fly with an instructor first. It's been a long time. Yeah, I'm so glad though that you're saying that. Um, here's a story. I knew this guy who wanted to um, be a commercial pilot and he um, went through all the training. And then I, I can't remember the reason why he didn't go forward, but he went into construction for a while and stopped flying. And then his dream was to get back into the air. And he was so excited. He finally bought an airplane, spent $75,000 just a while ago <laughs> on an airplane. And he was so excited. And I begged him, please get an instructor. Don't think that you can just, you know, pick it up where you left off 10 years ago. And so he's like, okay, okay. So he's, he made an appointment to go fly with an instructor. But the day before he was going to go fly with that instructor to refresh, and get current actually that's you know legally he was he was um required to go with an instructor but you know um anyway he he, he promised me he would and the day before he's like oh i'm just gonna taxi the airplane to just you know get used to it so he taxied it down the taxiway but he was too lazy to clean the windshield beforehand and there was some sun and with the, the dirt on the windshield and the, the way the sun hit it, he kept going all the way off the taxiway and into a ditch and totaled the airplane before he ever even got to fly it. <laughs> Isn't that sad? That's such a sad story. So he, I mean, in that example, if he had just taken a minute to clean the windshield, he could have avoided driving into the ditch and not being able to fly. What can you say? <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of those stories. So, <laughs> um, you know, when you tell a story about people who are doing everything correctly <laughs> and following all the rules, it's not as interesting as the story. I'm sorry about that. So <laughs> here we go, flying from point A to point B and nothing went wrong. <laughs> That's great, but for a storyteller, I got to tell you about the other stuff. <laughs> and all my brothers, you know, they've been flying um, all these years and yeah, not a lot to tell you there. So um, one, my, my youngest brother is an aerial firefighter. So he's actually crazy because he flies into a fire and the smoke is obscuring the terrain. And there's burning embers sometimes as big as logs shooting up in the microclime of a fire. So he's flying into this crazy environment um, to drop water or retardant on fires. And there's an altruistic aspect to firefighting that people don't really understand that includes aerial firefighting, that you are risking your life to save others, um, to keep the fire from you know, killing, killing people and houses and, um, if they are uh, flying on a fire, they really can knock it down fast 
So it's an important aspect of firefighting, but it's definitely you go into it if you want to help others and you understand that there's that element of danger that you are risking your life uh, to help others. So I'm saying that because I know people who started and were being trained um, in that specific type of flying who realized, oh, this is dangerous. And then they drop out. It's like, you gotta, you gotta realize that before you waste everybody's time um, going through that path and becoming a student and then dropping out. So yeah, yeah, there's, there's an element where you're risking your life. Um, and then my middle brother is a captain for a uh, major airline. And he's been doing that for about 20 years. And before that, um, he was taking all sorts of flying jobs. And one of them landed him in, um, in Africa, in Mozambique. He was flying around uh, aid, such as food from point to point. And um, bandits would actually try to shoot him down to take his bounty. So that was kind of um, unusual flying um, in dangerous elements. Um, but now, you know, he's on an airline and he has been for many decades. So, so he's, in, you know, before this major airline, he was with another airline. Um, and that's very much flying point A to point B. And some people refer to it as um, kind of like being a bus driver. You're, you're a bus driver in the sky. And if you fly an Airbus, you are literally a bus driver. <laughs> so um, definitely a very, very safe form of flying that sometimes bores pilots. And I know a lot of people who don't want to become airline pilots specifically because they think it will be boring. And um, a lot of airline pilots I know do um, do other things um, on the side to, to keep it interesting. Um, like I, I have a friend who is a flight instructor. And so she's always teaching whenever she's not flying for the airline. And um, that gives her a sense of fulfillment because she's making new pilots. And that's wonderful. Airbus driver, yes. <laughs> um, so does anybody want to go through the workbook or do you want um, to, we can exchange stories or what do you, how many of you are pilots, by the way? How many of you are pilots? And we don't have to go to the end. We can, we can end early. Can I get a count of how many people are pilots? <laughs> you probably know all this stuff already, huh? Yeah, Mark, Mark raised hand. Oh, okay. So uh, inactive pilot, yes. But I don't know. I think once you get back up in the air with an instructor, it will come back to you. Um, they have rusty pilot uh, classes, especially at, does everybody know about Oshkosh um, once a year in July, usually July, I think it is. Um, it has half a million people gather at Oshkosh Airport to, um, uh, they fly in to um, park their airplanes 
near the, the airline, the flight line, and camp under the wings of their airplanes. So that, that's a lot of fun, except when that one year they had a flood. That wasn't fun. But <laughs> um, at these events where there's half a million people gathering just because they love aviation and a lot of them are pilots, um, they have seminars to help rusty pilots um, remember all the rules and get back into it before you actually start um, flying with a flight instructor. So there's a lot of, um, I think there's even some things at Sporties and um, there's online classes you can do to just keep refreshing. Cause again, there's, there, there are literally thousands of rules in aviation. Um, AIAA has members going there every year. Yay! Well, do we have a booth? Do we have an AIAA booth? Or um... I think uh, we asked a, a lady in our headquarters. She seemed to say yes previously, uh, but it seems that in recent years is no, but uh, they are trying to get back to have a uh, big AIAA booth over there. Oh, that would be fun. That'd be used awesome. To, used to be, used to be, yes. Cool. And meet up with everyone. Um, so um, with AIAA, I know you're very focused on um, space and astronautics. Um, how much is focused on aeronautics and um, staying in our troposphere? <laughs> it's a lot. Actually, AIAA means American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics. Yes. So both. Both are, as I, as I mentioned in the beginning, as uh, AIA came from the merger in 1962 from two distinguished organizations, one founded by the Wright brothers <laughs> on aviation, the other one founded by Goddard, Robert Goddard on rocketry. So aviation aeronautics definitely, uh, uh, you know, a very important part. Every year we have the aviation uh, forum, aviation conference. Um, and, and just last month we have a speaker is our uh, former president, uh, Dr. Mark Luis. He was talking about hypersonic flight, you know, hypersonic flight. And that's aeronautics. And uh, um, just, just kind of recap what we, we had, you know, uh, and uh, for example, we had this uh, uh, strata launch, strata launch, you know, uh, in Mojave Desert, and that's aeronautics. And uh, we, we have talks about using UAV you know, uh, for, for the environmental study. Uh, and we also have like, uh, uh, you know, many, many aeronautics engineering and the pilot. Uh, so it, I, I have, of course, the air, air, um, aerospace aviation safety. Safety has yeah. been very important. So we have speaker talking about like Air France, you know, 447 and uh, uh, carrier landing, you know, uh, it's a, uh, super honing landing, you know, those kinds of things. And uh, airworthiness, you know, that's also a very important part. Right. You know. So yeah. aeronautics definitely the heart, you know, of AIAA. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, we, we have many professors, you know, or engineers, pilots, they, they work in uh, this field very uh, actively. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. One, one thing is, you know, because, you know, your story, you know, about your father, your brother and those exciting things. It's just amazing. You know, AIAA, you know, nationally or like a, a local chapter, uh, for example, to before, right before pandemic, I supported AIAA national uh, booths in, in AMS, you know, uh, NASA AMS for a go fly. It's an aviation event and uh, 
uh, we got many visitors, but you know, I've been curious, for example, in two weeks, we are going to have local uh, elementary school have a booth. You know, it's just, we want to relay the passion, you know, uh, wonderful story, excitement to, to the students, you know, so they can, you know, go to you and uh, be excited, you know, be trained as pilot. But how, how do we do that? Do you have any recommendation how Airway can, you know, as a national or local chapter, when you go to, when we go to schools, how do we kind of relay and pass on this wonderful uh, story and the passion to them, you know, and uh, excite them? And I, I think you're right. Actually, some people think yeah, do a lot of space stuff. Yeah, of course, space, you know, kids got excited about space station, you know, those kinds of things. But we also want to relay them to the excitement of flying or you know, aviation. How do we do that? You are, you are the expert, you know, how do we do that? Well, I, I know that um, people who read Fly Girl are excited about learning to fly. So I think what I did in Fly Girl was I showed her love of the sky and just how it's another world up there. It's gorgeous. You not only have a bird's eye view of the world, but you have two worlds, really. You have the world of the sky and how that's ever changing and clouds and all the features, but then you're also above the earth and you're looking down at, you know, depending on how high you're flying, you can look down and see these little ants running around <laughs> and just, you know, getting that, that viewpoint of how, um, how small the world looks and, and seeing people running to and fro and just driving around like, um, little bugs on the this planet's surface and getting that uh, perspective that, you know, you, it helps you feel like, oh, you know, maybe my problems aren't so big that um, we're just this little um, bit of the world and look, up, uh, look at all of us together in humanity and um, how we all fit in and just the, the viewpoint you have of, of seeing the horizon that seems to stretch out forever and um, just trying to express that um, love of the sky and the, the limitlessness of the, the sky. It seems so gorgeous and um, just like anything's possible up there. Um, and then having pilots talk uh, and relate um, about what's fun about flying. It's just, it's not just your skills and that you become a master of the wind and, you know, like kicking back the rudder or, you know, just um, how you can master the skills that allow you to fly is just so amazing and wonderful. Um, and kind of relaying stories about um, different times you flew and what was unusual about it or what was interesting. Um, it's, we have to relay that verbally until we can get them to young eagles or whatever to take them for a ride so they could see for themselves like, oh, you know, there's more axes than in a car. You don't just turn right and left. There's so many different ways to go up and down and side to side. You just like, that's amazing to them. And um, once they get their hands on the controls, they don't want to let go because it's just so much fun. So until you can actually show them physically how it's fun, um, just expressing that um, maybe with stories or, um, yeah, I'd have to recommend my book. Because <laughs> I know that I've gotten feedback from that. Um, kids have have written me and said, I'm going to become a pilot now. And I'm like, yay. <laughs> so that's one way. <laughs> um, 
So we're almost out of time. Is there anything else before we close the session? There is a flight simulator in Anaheim where you can um, pay. I know, I yeah. know, I know that place. Yeah, we are trying to, before pandemic, I, I went there a couple of times, try to set it up, uh, but then the pandemic hits, you know, it become complicated, yeah. you know. I was thinking to do some demo, you know, in our outreach or exhibition expo, but you know, pandemic make it so complicated. You have to kind of sanitize everything if they touch it, you know, it's just too much. Yeah. <laughs> You're um, right. I was thinking, one other thing. One other thing I'll add about um, what entices kids is um, they think it's pretty cool if there's someone who's a teenager that's learning to fly. Um, so they, I've heard stories where if if you're a student pilot in high school, you become an instant celebrity in that high school. So you know everybody thinks that's cool, and that so that's kind of a motivation for kids to you know prove how badass they are. <laughs> um, but also um, one thing that uh, I learned after I wrote Fly Girl, I have heard, I'm going to do a little spoiler here. She goes to prom in an airplane rather than a limo, which when I was a kid, you know, it was a big deal to go to, to prom in a limo and you had like 15 people <laughs> paying for it and, and um, cramming in there. Um, so now, you know, the next level is uh, going to prom in an airplane. You got to one up it, you know, <laughs> how cool is that? So I don't know, you just find those those cool aspects that um, entice them as well as CAP is uh, a way uh, civil air patrol. I know you all are familiar with that, but that's, that's kind of cool too that they're at our um, Airfare here in Big Bear and, and representing and um, showing that there's a way um, you can get into aviation through this this avenue um, that helps pay for everything and um, well helps pay for getting started uh, in an aviation world. So um, there's there's different cool aspects that um, I know are enticing as well. Um, so. If there's, if there's nothing more, then um, I would like to thank everyone. And um, maybe I'll see you at the next air show or <laughs> event for AIAA. Yes, yes, definitely. You, uh, you are part of our family. Welcome. Thank Your whole you. family and you, you know, highly welcome our, our family. Yeah. Thank you. Stay in touch. Yeah. And uh, we will have, uh, yeah, hopefully, yeah, that's something we want to bridge the gap. What you said was wonderful. And uh, you are also very inspiring. We also want to relay this and bridge the gap so kids can, you know, feel excited. You know, uh, thanks all the tips you gave us. Uh, hopefully, as you said, in the next AIAA event, you know, it can be with us and uh, inspire more, more students, more kids. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Thank everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, everyone. This concludes our today's AWA event. So, uh, uh, wish you enjoyed. It was wonderful. I'm, I'm thrilled. So, uh, let's thank uh, Miss Sid Brew again. I really appreciate and uh, wish to see her soon. And see you, uh, uh, you all next time. Uh, uh, please stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.